This is the Voice Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hilltop Horror. I'm Elspeth. I'm Lucy. So this week, we're talking about effects in horror movies and the difference between CGI and practical effects and the integration of these techniques. But first, I think we're going to start with a question. Um, Elspeth, if you had a friend came up to you and who's never seen horror, hates horror, what movie would you recommend? I feel like my go-to when I'm, like, forcing my friends to watch a horror movie with me is, like, a horror comedy. Yeah. Um, I think Cabin in the Woods is, like, a pretty solid choice. Mm -hmm. Because I think even if people don't like horror movies, they're familiar with slasher tropes. And so if someone doesn't like slashers or doesn't like tropes, they can, like, appreciate the self-awareness of it. Yeah. But if someone does like slashers, it's, like, a really solid, scary, funny... Uh, just self-aware meta-commentary on the genre. So I think it's it's fun to watch. I think Scream also. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I've said this before that Slashers isn't my favorite genre. I like more paranormal. Um, but a lot of people don't jump in headfirst into the paranormal. Um, so, yeah, I think Scream it has, like, some... Uh, famous characters, of course, Courtney Cox, mm-hmm. um, the guy who plays Billy, um, which makes it a lot easier kind of to digest if it's your first horror movie. It's also just funny. There's a lot of funny parts, and there's not many jump scares, I don't think. So Yeah, I feel like you want something that's, like, lighthearted, mm-hmm. people can, like, laugh along. Yeah. Okay, so getting into CGI versus practical effects. Um, so just as, like, a mini-history... The first um, CGI, the first major use of CGI was in 1993 with Steven Spielberg's uh, Jurassic Park, um, and it was the T-Rex, and I read something about how Steven went, in, Steven went to his um, practical team and his CGI team and said, who can make the better T-Rex? And the CGI team made the much better T-Rex. And there's some quote by the head of the practical team that, like, wow, this art is dead. <laughs> because they realized, like, the extent that they could do. That's so interesting, because I know that, like, some of the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park were, like, animatronics or puppets, but they would, like, move on their own. Yeah. So it's funny to just see, like, B-roll of the actors <laughs> just, like, with these giant puppets and they don't know what they're going to do. We will talk about an animatronic. Um, spoiler Okay. Alert. So. I'm excited. CGI in general, like, when it's used today, it's used, like, I'm not going to say sparingly. It's very different between horror and the action-adventure and, like, sci-fi. But um, in general, it's handy for long aerial or pan shots where the fine details aren't quite as important. Um, actors, a lot of the time prefer practical effects because it helps them with authenticity um, and it also helps with continuity in general of the film when you're not having to like impose features in like five different shots right you're not acting like in front of a green screen staring at a tennis ball yes exactly the adaption of Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man I haven't heard of it you're more of a fan than I am so The Lawnmower Man is a short story by Stephen King it's just ridiculous though I don't know why they adapted it why like why is it ridiculous it's just it's like a weird like leprechaun man who like is hired to like mow people's lawn i don't know it's in this like anthology of short stories but i think it's one of the weaker ones in the book like it's not 
worth reading and I say this is like a wholehearted Stephen King fan like I would die for this man but just, well, in he was experimenting in 1992, they uh, used, it was 23 minutes out of the 108 of the film were CGI, which was, like, major for this part. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, like, when they use practical effects versus when they use CGI effects, and then both, like, a lot of the time both are used. Um, and I think we've talked about this in the last episode, how um, it's pretty commonly accepted that too many effects really ru- ruins and spoils the horror. So a lot of the time it's like a fine balance, but in CGI specifically, um, in the 2017 Conjuring, there's a whole, I watched a video about how they use CGI specifically, and it's a lot of like glass breaking or flying or wood breaking for the protection of the actors. Um, but that one scene where the chair is flying and um, hits the, I think like the, the side of a door, that was CGI. There's a lot of birds flying into things and dying. Those are all CGI. I think they use a puppet to throw, like throw the bird, but then they, um, for like the effects of it all and then they um, CGI the dying bird into it um, and there's one scene where Lorraine is in the basement um, and a necklace comes and chokes her that was also CGI uh, the crucifix falling down like shaking and then like falling flat that was CGI it's interesting because all of these things I feel like you could definitely rig yeah like practically so I'm interested and I'm wondering did they use like a combo of CGI and practical, or was it all CGI? I definitely, I think they use a combo. Like, I know one of the birds flying one, they used, they had a puppet pigeon that mm-hmm. they threw through a window, and then, like, just the flapping around was alive. One interesting CGI they used, though, was, um, there's just one scene where uh, Lorraine, I think, is hanging up sheets. Mm-hmm. I think it's Lorraine. Lorraine oh, like the, the ghost appears in the Well, sheet. yeah, like the yeah. sheet, like, moves from the wind and then goes into a, a figure, mm-hmm. and, and that that is definitely CGI. Um, so that was really interesting. That's a cool shot, though. Um, the Invisible Man in 2020 used it a bunch. I didn't watch it, but people said it was pretty good. It's really good. Like, it's a good adaptation of the original, um, which, like, obviously, if you take, like, the OG Universal Monster movies, which were all practical effects, which we talked about last time, and, like, the more modern remakes of those movies, like, the difference in what we have the technological capacity to do um, I think has a lot of bearing on how they choose to adapt the story. Because Invisible Man is definitely, like, it's a very tech-oriented horror, the new one. Um, it's like, he's invisible, but he has, like, an invisible suit where it's, like, cameras that capture his, like, surroundings, and then they project that image back on it, so you can't see him. Um, but it's not like he drinks some magical potion and then becomes invisible. Yeah. Again, that's one of those ones on my TBD, TB, TBD, TBR, TB, TBW, TB, it's not to be read, to be watched. Yeah, is there, is there a, it's on thing for that? On list, like, on, like, acronym for it? I don't know. Oh, well. Maybe we'll make one. We should. <laughs> and then, though, again, Monsters in Movies uses a lot of CGI, especially the more modern ones. Um, the Mutated Bear and Annihilation, I haven't seen that one. The Pale Man and Pan's Labyrinth. One of, in my opinion, the best movies of all time. Um, no, The Pale Man is so frightening, but I'm... They had to use, like, a combo of... I think they did. CGI and practical, because at least knowing Guillermo del Toro and, like, his attention to detail, he really likes actually creating the, like, 
costume and the creature design. But the pale man is like he has like his eyes are on his hands and he does the. Oh, oh I think I, when I was thing. researching this, I saw some clips. It seemed yeah. interesting. It's a good movie. It's like a war horror movie, but then there's oh. this like fantasy element, and it's kind of about the dangers of escapism. It's interesting. Highly recommend. I guess it's on my TVW now. <laughs> um, and the monsters in a quiet place was also CGI. But I think we would all expect them that mm-hmm. they were too like high tech and for not to be. Well, I think also, at least in, like, the creature design is obviously very interesting in A Quiet Place, but also the monsters were used very sparingly. They were. So I feel like I wouldn't think of that film and think about, like, a lot of CGI that was, like, very obviously CGI just because the monsters were off screen for so much of the runtime. Mm-hmm. I think the second one uses a lot more yeah, monsters. Yeah, definitely. But I didn't like the second one as much as I liked the first one. Do you think they're making a third one? Why? I think it's pretty because they were successful. Well, the first one was. I feel like the second one was just, like, so boring. Yeah, I didn't... I wasn't as interested by the second one either. Like, there were some cool shots in it, for sure, and, like, some great performances. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it... It needed to be made. I think the first yeah. one was, like, standalone. Yeah, I agree. And now, going into practical effects, um, one interesting co- thing is that no CGI was used in the remake of The Evil Dead in 2013, but they did use 70,000 gallons of fake blood. Compared, and I think 50,000 was u- of that blood was used in the very last scene. The blood rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did... I'm so surprised that they didn't use CGI in that, because there's, like... Like, there's, like, full-on deadite transformations. There's a lot of body horror. Like, a character literally, like, licks a knife and, like, bifurcates her tongue at one point. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'm not surprised by how much fake blood they use. They, they cut in half like a fucking corpse. <laughs> like, with chainsaw. Oh, my God. Well, the 1981 one used only three to 500 um, well, gallons of Also, much blood. smaller budget. That's true. Yeah. Um, another example of practical effects was the beast in Krampus. Um, I haven't seen that. I haven't either. But, I mean, it seems like, it seems kind of like older, like 70s and 80s. I thought Krampus came out, like, in... Let's look it up. 2015, like, the... the... It was, like, it looked like a cheesy... It's like a Christmas horror, right? That's... Oh, it was 2015. What am I thinking about? I'm very confused. Oh, Adam Scott is in it. Okay, you can't tell me this doesn't look like a, like an 80s practical it effect. It does. I feel like it's probably an homage. Again, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, let's see. Continuing on, Poltergeist uh, was pretty much all practical effects. I think Steven Spielberg produced it maybe i don't know if he directed it but i think he produced it he was involved in it but um most of the effects were involved in lighting um and like that the marty rips off a piece of skin that's all um practical effects diane climbing up the walls practical effects and just like i feel like looking at a lot of this horror in general it's a lot of lighting that makes it kind of freaky mm-hmm. not necessarily the effects 
Um, Alien, of course, one of the most famous horror movies. Um, the blood and gut scene was real. I forgot what animal they used, but it was like a real animal's blood and guts. For the was it the chest burst? Or I scene? think so. Yeah. I they must have used like a dummy and like a puppet mm-hmm. for that. Um, that's interesting. And like the creature design for that movie is so iconic. So the fact mm-hmm. that it was like a puppet. I th- was it also a puppet in Aliens? I don't know. I just know the original. That was one, um, going back to last week's conversation about um, gothic, I feel like that really is like a gothic movie kind of twisted, being like trapped like that, because I think the entire movie takes place on that um, shit. That's why I didn't like the movie, because just because I felt so uncomfortable with like the singular yeah. scene. It's very claustrophobic. I don't know. I actually couldn't sit through Alien. Like, I felt like the dialogue was like, overlapping and I couldn't understand it I get that. but also like the editing just made it feel so dated um that I found it kind of boring to watch I'm gonna get yeah, canceled for this no, but I the sequel is the sequel slaps like that's like a good, good. action horror okay. movie good to know and her okay hereditary which is I'm excited to talk about because there's a lot of interesting pieces about this um that's mostly makeup but the daughter was an animatronic when she got her head ripped off or had decapitated. Interesting. I didn't know how they did that scene. I mean, I assumed it was like a, a dummy of some kind. Yeah. And, oh, okay. So one interesting thing is that the actor who played the son, I forgot the son's name, he wanted to actually break his nose when he slams his head on the I desk. I think I heard that, though, just because the actor's hot. And I saw, like, <laughs> an interview of him. Um, the director was like, no, thank you. <laughs> but so the way they made the desk that he slams his head on, half of it was foam, but then he didn't realize that half of it was real. So oh he slams his face and he actually dislocated his jaw. That's commitment. It really he is. shouldn't be praising that. That's... He shouldn't, but... Uh... <laughs> um, also, so when Annie cuts off her own head, I think that's the mom, mm-hmm. there's a prosthetic neck, which I feel like that could have been CGI. But it could have it... been CGI, but I feel like... It's an interesting choice. Yeah. Again, this is a lot. This is another movie that like the music and lack thereof and lighting play a big part of like the horror part. Definitely, because also like when you think about the scene where she's cutting off her head, you don't see her head fall. She's just like mm-hmm. hanging there with a piano wire, yeah. and you see it going back and forth. But then it just cuts to the son's reaction. But then you hear her head fall off. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's like it's. The sound design of that movie is so incredible because so many of the scares and the shock are achieved just through the sound design and by not showing things explicitly. Um, I, I actually read that it was um, this the house is built on a soundstage. I think I did know that because it's like... So you know how Toni Collette's character in that movie is a miniaturist? Yeah. And she creates these, like, dioramas, and it's basically a parallel to the fact that, like, they're dolls in this dollhouse being controlled by this cult. So the set was, like, actually a a character in the movie, in a sense. Um, And they could, like, remove parts of it so they could, like, get shots from certain angles and shoot it yeah. as if it was like you were looking in a dollhouse. It was super cool to read about. I highly recommend if you have time. Um, another interesting instance of where they could have used CGI but didn't was during the seance um, when the chalk was being written on the chalkboard. They, I think they did something where they put the 
magnet on the other side of the chalkboard and like they had a magnet in the chalk as well and they like controlled it like that that's cool it's cool but again it could have used cgi so it's an interesting choice not to that's cool also i feel like that scene that's like the one scene in that movie where i'm like well what is like being controlled by the cult and what's like an actual what's like actually supernatural and what's a hoax yeah i don't know if in that scene like obviously she's like being deceived uh but i don't know if it's like if it's supposed to be like payment or something spiritual actually controlling the chalk or like if the like character was also supposed to be defrauding her so they wanted it to be like a practical thing oh and so one this is like not really has anything to do with what we're talking about i just thought it was an interesting thing and then Interesting feels like it's definitely the wrong word, um, but the decapitation actually happened of the girl, and but it happened to two teenage or two young men in two thousand four in Georgia, and what the, the the driver was drunk and didn't, oh my God. but he actually didn't realize what happened till the next day. Jesus, and Christ. so he, I think the body again was like laying in the car all night. Actually, yeah. The fuck! Oh my God. Yeah, so I'm surprised that it's not. Um, well, more known with the movie. I don't know if it was inspired by it or just like happened to happen. I doubt it just happened. No, happen. I probably already asked her knew about it. Yeah. So that's such a um, not so fun fact, I guess. But moving on to the Babadook, <laughs> um, there actually is little to no CGI in this movie because um, you only get a few glances of the Babadook. Um, which who's in a costume and makeup and lighting to make it scary. Yeah, again, I feel like that's a movie where the lighting design and the sound design are doing a lot of the work because uh, you really don't see the creature very much. No, not at, at all. all. Uh, but the character design is so memorable, yeah. obviously. And then so we have a mix. Uh, a lot of them have a mix. Like The Conjuring 3, for example, um, uses a stunt double uh, that's actually a contortionist for that one scene. But they use CGI to put the um, face on of the character. Midsummer used um, a lot of CGI to like subtly distort things, but then they used practical effects for the death of some of the. I think most of the deaths were practical effects. And then again, some of them don't use any effects at all. Blair Witch Project being one, most found footage, paranormal activity, that kind of stuff. So it's just like an interesting spectrum of movies we have here. Um, I'm interested by what informs the choice to either use CGI or practical or a mix of both and if like they're going for realism or if they're like remaking a movie from an era when practical effects were the only option available if directors are influenced by the pressure to pay homage and honor that original film so I don't know I just think it's interesting the choices that they make and obviously a film with a bigger budget can afford like extensive CGI yeah and so this I'm really excited about this part um in a second we're going to talk about the science scare project which is a really interesting science project obviously but so Rotten Tomatoes has a list of the top 10 scariest horror movies and I was going to go through it and say are they actually scary do we think they're actually scary Ooh, this is exciting I know so the first one 19% of people who voted because they did like a poll on their website said the exorcist and again, this was all practical effects because CGI wasn't invented. We've talked about this extensively. 
Yeah. But that again, number one. Do you agree? I mean, we've talked about The Exorcist a lot yeah. on this podcast, and I've explained that, like, I think fear is very subjective, and I know that my subjective experiences and, like, upbringing affect what I'm frightened by, and there are some scenes in The Exorcist that I'm incredibly that are frightened by, like the hospital scene, mm-hmm. um, but obviously it's a religious horror movie, and I don't have that experience. But I would say, yeah, it's a frightening movie, but it's frightening because of how helpless the characters seem. Um, One thing I will preface this list with is it's a lot of movies that kind of feel like are just really popular rather than actually scary. Yeah, I was going to ask what this was based on because I know people have, like, done studies where they, like, check heart rate that is the scary the scare uh science of scare or the the science of scare project but we can talk about that in one second but sorry no no, get ahead of ourselves uh not to get ahead of ourselves um we have hereditary again all practical effects interesting how the top two are all practical effects i mean hereditary made me cry out of shock the first time i watched it and i didn't know it was coming so props props to hereditary but i almost feel like hereditary when they say like number two scariest movie I feel like they're only just referencing that decapitation scene and that following event and then the family tension. Like, I feel like there's not a lot of, like, in-your-face horror. Um, because when you think about it, you think of, like, oh, my God, this girl was decapitated. Um, That's terrifying. But I think what makes it so scary is the family aspect and, like, living with the consequences yes, of that tension. Like, the... I think... I mean, the decapitation is shocking, but if you think about what kind of sandwich is it, it's, like... Her being abandoned at a party and then going into anaphylactic shock, her brother like high off his ass trying to get her to the hospital, and then just that unbroken shot of him realizing what's happening and then just driving off and then just waking to his mother screaming yeah. in the morning. I think that the decapitation, if it didn't have that context, would just feel like cheap and camp which is awful to say but it's like yeah it's really a testament to like Ari Aster's ability to build tension and make it really character driven I do agree with that okay I, I'm seeing your point now I mean I mean uh ushered to the dark side <laughs> like if this was like an 80s like yeah just like an 80s slasher with like I don't know like the mutilator or whatever it's like you're just you're just watching like vapid soulless characters get killed in various ways the next one is the conjuring this is what really makes me think that it's just like a popular movie and people like i've seen that so i'll vote for it because i mean nah it's not really super scary it's not but i think it was really innovative for its time in the way that it does it scares uh like i think there are definitely some jump scares um, but I just think about, like, when she's looking into the basement and, like, the hands clap yes, next to her. that was good. It's surprising. Uh, like, you kind of don't know if you should feel like she's in danger or if this is just, like, mm-hmm. the kind of... It creates a very, like, paranormal environment. I get that, and I agree, but I feel like when we're, like, comparing this to the Babadook or yeah. something a little more... Um, I don't think it belongs on this list, I will say. I would. I also think, how are we defining scary? Is it, like, exactly. shock value? Is it being startled? Because I know that, like, 
I startle pretty easily, but I don't after I turn off a horror movie and I'm like lying in bed in the dark. I'm like not freaking out. Like it doesn't affect me and I don't have like yeah. no, it nightmares aff- usually. It doesn't really affect me except that one scene in The Conjuring where the, I think one of the characters is like, oh my God, do you see this guy in the corner? And she's screaming and the other, the, her sister doesn't see what she sees. I, sometimes if I'm, I can't sleep at night, I like check the corners. <laughs> um, I will admit, dark secrets. Um, oh, The Shining. Which, again, I don't, I think we talked about this. I don't really consider it as much as a horror movie as, like, a psychological thriller, but... I watched it last summer for the first time, because it's one of my favorite books, like, ever. Uh, and I know Stephen King doesn't like Kubrick's adaptation of it. I don't find it that scary, but I think when I was watching it, I was, like, I went in with bias. Yeah. Because I didn't feel that it was a good adaptation of Jack Torrance from the book who's a very sympathetic character but is also like he succumbs to vice but then he's like self-sacrificing and he really cares about his family and I feel like you don't get any of that in Jack Nicholson's performance yeah I watched it like middle or high school I think middle school maybe and I got nothing that could just be a facet of my maturity I will say Shelley Duvall though is so convincingly terrified that entire movie that you get this yeah secondhand anxiety just because of how good her performance is because Kubrick literally tortured her on set oh interesting um (laughs) so that's frightening in and of itself um the number five is Texas Chainsaw Massacre um we talked about this and great detail, so I don't think we're going to get into that. Yeah. Uh, the Ring in 2002, which is an interesting choice, but again, I feel like that is a, a, main, a very mainstream movie that people are like, oh, I've seen that, so let me go for it. It's not, I've never seen it. It is interesting. I did like the movie. Is this the OG one? Like the Ringu? Like, I want to say it is the OG one. They made like another something in like 2012. They made like an American remake. Yeah. Oh, so this I think this is the American one. Oh. This is the Japanese one. No. Again, again, like, strong Western mainstream bias. Yeah. And then there's Halloween, 1978, which is, mm, I haven't seen it, but it's, everybody loves Jamie Lee Curtis, so you can't. As they should. Uh, Sinister in 2012. I haven't seen that one. I have. It's, it's really, it's really creepy and atmospheric, but also it, there's a lot of jump scares. Uh, but it also uses this, like, grainy home video okay. footage, and it's, like, this murder mystery, but there's also this supernatural element. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really effectively creepy. Then there is us Insidious, which I have mixed feelings on, because my friend and I watch all five movies, and I like the second one, I think, more. The plot is leaves things to be desired I will say and not in a um like it's a horror movie kind of way I just and like there's a lot of gaps and holes that were missing that make me angry rather than make me or more like annoyed than interested and like creeped out so I definitely think there's much to be desired with insidious it's I'm not saying it's a bad movie at all there's some interesting uh, concepts within it but not the not my favorite I will admit and then there's It in 2017 is number 10, 
Which I get that. Is that the one with Bill Hader and their adults? No, that's the second one. Okay. The The second one one. is not as scary. And actually, I will say, I think one of the reasons why the second one isn't as scary is that in this, like, climax, they use CGI so heavily and so obviously that Mm -hmm. it just seems ridiculous. I agree. It's like, so basically, if you read the 1,200-page book, um, like so it appears do. in different forms to the different uh, children based on their fears. Like to one of them, it appears as like a mummy. It appears as like these dead children that are like a demonic bird. Basically, they don't include this in the first movie, and they really lean into the evil clown aspect or like the leper, I think. Um, but they don't like overdo it. Whereas in the novel is like every embodiment of evil or childhood fear and then at the end they just try to throw everything at the wall and they just transform the clown into like a mummy demonic bird a dinosaur just all this random shit with cgi and you're like okay i guess this beats the tongue biting chewed ritual with the fucking space turtle um (laughs) and the sewer orgy uh, oh. <laughs> it was it was difficult source material to adapt. I, I yeah I can see how the, that. I think the strongest part of the the second movie is the Richie Eddie storyline, which is like traumatic. Are they gay for each other? Richie is, but what? the Eddie died. Oh, I watched it so long ago that I don't no. even remember what happened. Bill Hader outacts everyone in that movie. Oh, Bill Hader's amazing. I'm He's fantastic. Fan. I love him so much. Yeah. Okay, okay. So the Science Scare Project. Yes. I was super, this was super exciting for me mm-hmm. to discover, like, two hours ago. Um, but it started in 2020, and so every year it curates a list of about 30 movies, and over a period of a couple weeks they have 250 test subjects watch them and monitor their heart rates during it. Mm-hmm. So the first year, um, 2020, the winner was Sinister. Um, And I have some of the heart rates up, actually. Um, Okay, in 2020, it was the highest spike was a a heart rate of 131, and the average resting was 65. Oh, the average resting rate was 65, and the average movie heart rate was 86. Oh, wow. Which is interesting. And number two was Insidious. And again, I do want to say that they could have done some other. Actually, no, they include the Babadook is on this list at number eight. But so okay, maybe I'm. Um, I mean, I think too harsh on Insidious. Well, I think I actually haven't seen Insidious, but I've seen it on like a lot of like best jump scare. They do. It does lists. have good. Scare. I think that when we think about what raises people's heart rates, mm-hmm. if you look at the average, if you have like a really effective jump scare, that might spike people's heart rate, but it's not the same as like building tension yeah. where you're just stressed out of your mind. No, I agree with that. Uh, for like most of a movie, um, The Conjuring was number three, which uh, that makes sense. Like they, there are a lot of jump scares, so I think I, I think I agree with your theory. Uh, four, Hereditary. Five is Paranormal Activity. It follows a six, The Conjuring two, seven, Babadook eight, and then some other peop- things on the list. The Rings on the list, A Quiet Place, The Exorcist, It 2017, Scream, Blair Witch Project. It's a lot of like, it's pretty much, if you look at the list, it's everything you've seen. 
like especially getting into horror it's just everything you'd google scariest horror movies and like they come up yeah well also again for this experiment they obviously curate the movies that they have them mm-hmm. watch so they probably just show them very mainstream movies and then it's all relative yeah I don't know. if you had to pick a movie that you would say is in your top 10 scariest horror what would you say i feel like the paranormal i feel like was really scary to me oh wait they do have overall differences um so let me see if that like impacts it at all sinister had an overall difference of 21 a lot of this um descendant the visit the ring all had like 14 so it's like it's between a range of 21 and two as the average difference in heart rate okay so there is like a significant i guess or maybe that's like, oh, wait, this might be the fast. No. I think it's different in Avatar, right? No, I was right. Um, 2021 was really interesting because the scariest movie was The Host, a Zoom-based horror. It's only 56 minutes, and it's Zoom-based. Yeah, this came out during the pandemic, and it was kind of like, it was filmed during the pandemic, too, cause, but everyone was, like, in their own home. Yeah. So they had to rig all these practical effects themselves. And I think the reason why people were so affected by it is, like, that was very much, like, the space that people were inhabiting in real life. Yeah. Right? It's, like, if you think about why, like, 70s slashers were so scary to their audiences, it's because it's this disruption of, like, suburban life. So if you're a, someone who, like, lives in the suburbs... And you watch a movie about, like, a random act of violence in your neighborhood. That's going to be frightening. And I think that Host adapted that into, like, the pandemic setting. Where it's, like, you're actually just trapped in your home with no one but your household members. Or you live completely alone. And the only connection you have from other people is through Zoom. But they can't save you. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah. The Host went again in 2022. And other than that, the top seven movies were the same in 2021-2022, being The Host, Sinister, Insidious, Conjuring, Hereditary, Terrified, It Follows. And then in 2022, Dash Cam comes up on number eight, which is the uh, follow-up to The Host. So that was an interesting... Yeah. And I think... Oh, something films that were narrowly missed, they say, which was actually the most surprising is nope because i would say like when watching nope i didn't feel like my heart rate was at all picked up and i wouldn't consider that a horror movie i also wouldn't consider nope a horror movie i think there's that one really harrowing scene um where they're like going through with the the oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, they're all just being eaten well i Um, also i think it's just because it's jordan peele that, and he has, like, a history of horror, so they're like, this must be a horror film. But it's not. I mean, Jordan Peele yeah. does horror and suspense very effectively, but in Nope, it feels more like a commentary on spectacle. Yeah. And like a sci-fi movie. Yeah, no, Maybe, I agree. if anything. X was also on the list. Um, that was narrowly missed. And the 2022 version of Scream. Which, again, I feel like the 20, the 19-whatever, uh, 70-something of Scream wasn't, like, horribly scary and I guess like okay well kind of the 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 maskless the mask man yeah okay and I think there's a lot of the girl being home by herself and stuff well I think people like 
freaked out when Scream came out. Like that opening scene with Drew Barrymore. Everyone was yes. like, obviously, it's Drew Barrymore. She's been in all the promo materials. She's yes. our final girl. She's living through this movie. And then not only is there this chase sequence, but you just see her, like, strung up in the yard. And I think, yeah. did that have to be censored? Like, I don't know. I, I feel well, like it was the really 90s, did. actually. So I feel like the I 90s think it were a little did. more. I think they had to, like, tone it down. Really? To get commercial release. Interesting. There was one movie that they, that I was researching, I don't know which one it was, that they released, like, an editor's cut that was, like, longer, had more jump scares. But I don't remember which one it was. I think I was, like, surprised that there was more to it than that. I'm not going to lie. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. I definitely have to watch The Host. I feel like that was... If it's the whole scariest movie, according to the Science Scare Project, definitely something. I'm excited for 2023's version of it. I think we're going to wrap the conversation up yeah. there, uh, and we'll see you guys soon. Yeah. Thanks for listening.